0: I welcome all of you again. We've had a number come in since we began. We're grateful that you are here this morning to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) If you have a cell phone, would you please check it now to make sure that it's on mute? And we would deeply appreciate that. For our visitors, especially with little ones... If they need to be quieted or corrected, you can take them right through that door. We have a large, <clears throat> a large room with a large screen where you can continue to follow the sermon. And uh, should they quiet down, and often they do, you can bring them right back in here. <clears throat> uh, last week in the, the message... Uh, I mentioned uh, several works on prayer, and uh, some asked about that. I probably was, since I was in the middle of the sermon, probably going too fast for you to write down titles. But I have a stack of them up here if you want to write them down. They are J.C. Ryle's book, A Call to Prayer. This is the one to start with if you've never read any sound books on prayer, <clears throat> and it's a uh, very small, but it's very powerful, and very helpful. The next is prayer by John Bunyan, the author of uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, this is a wonderful um, mediate uh, or mediate step. Uh, in in the reading, he's not too difficult, even as a Puritan. <clears throat> this one is not difficult to read. Following that is "Hearing God's Rod" by Thomas Brooks. Now I love everything I've ever read by Thomas Brooks. Pretty much the same with Bunyan, Brooks, uh, but Brooks is a little more to work with. Uh, he has very high English, a very old English. He was writing in the 1600s, so I wouldn't begin with his works but as you work through these i would highly highly recommend that you read brooks he he is absolutely delightful and all of these men are soundly christ-centered finally there is the book the private key to heaven the original title was the privy key Uh, that's we don't use that word the way they did back then in our day, so we we changed it to the modern meeting, which is the private key and uh, this is a book to read uh, two or three times in your life at least I can't say that about a lot of books, but this is one this is a treasure chest it's work you have to you have to make sure you're getting what he's saying sometimes so don't start with this one especially if you 've never read the puritans but uh, but I would urge you to read enough to where you, you can build up to that wonderful book. It is an absolute golden treasure house filled with uh, some of the most beautiful language setting forth the doctrine of prayer uh, that I have seen. So those are up here. If you want to take a look at them, write the titles down. That's just fine. Uh, unfortunately, Well, I guess I should say not unfortunately, but in the Lord's providence, our firewall is down. And therefore, as uh, I trust you read in the email that was sent to the congregation, we're not able to stream today. So any of our brethren that are at home are not able to follow us uh, today. Uh, I do pray that uh, uh, we will be able to get that up soon. The company has told us. Uh, They were overnighting something to us, so we hope that that will get here uh, in a timely fashion and we can get all of that back up and running. Uh, But I do pray that uh, after this message is recorded today, that it will find uh, listeners online when it is posted. And uh, we will be somewhat drinking at the fire hydrant today, so uh, this may be a message you would want to return to. All right, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. We're going to read once again verses 1 through 4, verses 1 through 4. Would you please stand with me as we read the word of God? Acts chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1. Acts 6, verse 1. Let's give our attention to the word of God. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians, "...against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the, main, in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business." But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please remain standing as we unite our hearts in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, what mercy Thou hast showered upon us today in Christ Jesus that we have the health and the freedom to gather in Thy name. We know it is not so for all of our brethren around this world. Father, we do pray as one with them, those who... That are hiding those that are meeting underground those that are meeting in in various places scattered around cities. Lord those who meet. With the threat of. Either time in prison or even the loss of their lives. My father thy word tells us to remember them. That are in bonds as being bound with them. Father may our hearts. Meet with theirs at the throne of grace as we are bound together in Christ Jesus. Encourage all of thy people across this globe. Father, many have already arisen in a different time zone and have gathered together, have praised and magnified thee. And we do ask with all of our hearts that throughout this day, the, the, the joyful praise and worship of god is rising up from every quarter of this globe i pray o righteous father for those in a time zone behind us who will be singing and praying and hearing the word of god later father again may all of our hearts Rise up to glory. May we leave the, 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 the world here and its things behind us. And may our minds be drawn to the altogether Holy One. Father, heaven rings with holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And we add our little voices to it. Holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty thou alone art our creator thou alone art our savior and now we come again lord here are thy sheep here are thy blood-bought people here are the temples the living stones of the holy ghost and, Father, we are built together, built upon the foundation of Christ, the cornerstone, and of the apostles. I pray, O oh God, that that truth, that foundation upon which we rest, will come through today, will be clear, that thy word would fall upon us with power, transforming power, mind-changing life changing power I know thou canst I pray that thou wilt father for those that are lost for those that are in the darkness of their sins for those that are bound up in their lust and driven by their own desires how I pray that thou wouldst subdue them today put thy gospel before them before they drop into hell Please, O righteous Father, I pray, bring the glory and the beauty of Christ the Deliverer. And may every heart hear and understand by the power of the Spirit that Christ is truly the Savior of sinners, the gracious Lord and Savior of all those who come to him in faith. Now, Father, I do pray that these things would rise up In our hearts, take our minds off of the things of this world and may we fix our hearts. Lord, as Paul says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father, on the right hand of God. Father, may it be our endeavor here today. Lift us above the mire and the the cesspool in which we live and help us to see the glory and the beauty of the world to come. And my Father, I pray that our hearts will truly be drawn out in love for Thee. True, genuine, from the heart, love for Thee. May it reflect Thy glorious love to us. And I pray, O Father, that we would equally love one another as Thou hast commanded us. As Thou hast loved us, O Christ. This is the command that stands before all of us here this morning. And Father, help us to love the lost. Help us to encourage those who do not know Thee. Some don't even realize that they don't know Thee. Father, I pray that thou would shatter every vestige of external religion, mouth religion. And Lord, raise those darkened hearts into the light of Jesus Christ. Raise them. Make that glorious resurrection of the new birth to breathe life into them. Open their eyes and open their ears to hear and see the beauty of the one and only Savior of men, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, Lord, we need thy Spirit. This vessel of dust needs thy Spirit. I can do nothing without thee. I can help no one here, apart from thy Spirit and thy word. Please grant thy help, that thou wouldst be exalted, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory. Now, Father, may thy spirit boldly, beautifully, powerfully move as we hear thy word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Peter declared him to be the shepherd and the bishop of our souls in his first epistle. Jesus fulfilled God's promise. I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Christ, the good shepherd, authorized 12 men to be his apostles. As shepherds after God's heart, the apostles preached the gospel and gathered converts Into communities called churches. They appointed elders to carry. Or to carry on the apostolic tradition. Of faithful shepherding. Feeding the flock of God with knowledge and understanding. And the elders of God's congregation have two main works. Prayer and preaching the word. Whatever else they do, whatever else they're involved in, prayer and the Word are the most vital works. And we are considering those works. We began it in the last message. The title of our message this day is Devoted to Prayer and Word. This is part two. May our loving and gracious Heavenly Father shed abroad His love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is given to us, to His people. And may that Spirit direct our hearts to the light, the beauty, And the glory of Jesus Christ. Our first heading is Christ's apostles understood the heart of their ministry. This is where we began last week. As we saw in part one, the 12 blessed apostles of Jesus Christ were faithfully preaching the gospel in Jerusalem in obedience to Christ's commission. God blessed that preaching with the mighty, regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And the number of the disciples was multiplied. That means many people were drawn out of darkness, were translated by the power of the Holy Spirit into the glorious kingdom of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. Multitudes in that city were repenting of sin, believing On the crucified and resurrected Christ, receiving baptism in his name and gathering with the Jerusalem congregation. The new growth presented new problems. The Hebrew speaking brethren were neglecting the Greek speaking widows in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 who were the overseers of that congregation addressed the problem. That's leadership. They summoned the entire congregation and said, It is not reason. It's not right. It's not proper that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Their words did not mean that they thought serving the needy was a task too low for them. They knew that obeying the risen Christ's command to preach and teach was a higher calling. The apostles then wisely resolved the problem. They appointed the congregation to search out seven spirit-filled men to care for the widows. The apostles would then lay their hands on them and appoint them to take care of the food distribution problem. We call men such as that today deacons. They're an important part Of the life of Christ's body. But having resolved that problem. The twelve affirmed. Their main work. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. As we saw last week. Give continually. Can be translated. Devoted. We are devoted to prayer, and to the Word. Now, whatever else they may have done, these two things, as we have said, were their priorities. So it was with Christ. The four Gospels reveal that whatever else He did, prayer, and the ministry of the Word were His priorities. Following this exposition, we began considering... A faithful shepherds to priorities. We started last week on this heading. Shepherds after God's heart are devoted to prayer. They don't pray once in a while. They don't pray just when things are getting bad. Either way, that's generally too late. Of course, there's sometimes when things fall in on us that we weren't anticipating, certainly time to cry out. The point is, they were devoted. They were given to this as regular, regular kingdom work. They did it all the time. They didn't do it in seasons as such. They were always praying, utterly devoted to that holy work. And we'll see more of why that is the case. Today, we began with a a quote from J.C. Ryle, and I don't mind repeating it. Prayer is the most important subject in practical religion. In other words, practical when it says there, the things we do as believers. Top of the list is prayer. And if that's not the case, we're already sliding into trouble. I can tell you that from experience. All other subjects are second to it says Ryle none of them are so important as private prayer so it must be for faithful shepherds and we must add Ryle's further thought quote to be prayerless is to be without god without christ without grace, without hope, and without heaven. It is to be on the road to hell. Now, can you wonder that I ask, do you pray? Close quote. Ryle was a beautifully pastoral man. He had a heart as big as they come. He loved Christ. He loved God's people. But for that very reason, he had to say hard things. Because he knew he would give account before God for those that sat before him. And while he encouraged them to prayer and showed the beauties and the glory and the wonder of prayer, he said, you also have to understand Its absence means that you are lost. Prayer is essentially Christianity or essential to Christianity. And it is for pastors and saints. It's for every regenerate person. But we're talking about the pastor's responsibility to give himself to prayer. so following what we considered there we we took up several definitions of prayer suggested by mighty men of prayer while all the definitions were biblical and edifying the simplest came from the pen of thomas watson who is almost always worth reading he said quote prayer is nothing but the soul's Breathing itself into the bosom of the Father. Close quote. Now, this led us to the obvious conclusion Pastors must be men of prayer. Why? <laughs> because God intends for His people. To be people of prayer. They are therefore to be led by those who model it. The instructions to pastors in the scriptures always have a practical application to God's people because they're there to lead and encourage the sheep. Now, that is where we left off. So we pick up today right here. Pastors must pray. It's obvious from all the things that we've said so far, they must pray. Whatever else they do, shepherds must pray without ceasing. Paul exhorted Timothy. And by the way, that idea of ceasing doesn't mean that they just sit down and they just say prayers all day long. What it means is that they are always in a spirit of prayer and at every opportunity they take prayers, whether they are short prayers offered up at the spur of a moment. Bless you, oh God, I'm so thankful for what you just did for my wife, for my daughter, for my children. Thank you for what you just did for the church. That's prayer. And be ready. Have a hair trigger for prayer. That's the idea so that when we go through the day, we do take time where we take uh, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, if if we can carve that out of our busy lives. But then there are short prayers, and then there are prayers immediately on occasion. My dear daughter was once struck by a car. And we were astonished that she lived. And I was working on the house in which we lived at that time. She was, uh, I think, about 11, 12, around that, that age. When she got right in the path of a car, didn't even have time to hit the brakes. She was hit and went over the hood and landed on the asphalt. And a neighbor who had been walking with Myra rushed into my house because it was just down the road from us. We lived out in the country. And she said, Lacey's been hit by a car. And one thing came to my mind, and that was pray. I dropped on my knees, and I prayed with the woman who came to get me. I pleaded for help, and then we got out of there in a hurry. We went. We went down, and I, I will never forget this image: is that I was, as I was coming down the road, I saw people standing in a circle. I knew my daughter's body was lying in the middle of that circle, so I ran, got through the folk. And I prayed. I prayed for her. And I tried to see if she were conscious, if she could hear me, if she could understand what was going on. In moments like that, of course we pray. Amen. There are times when it's not Perhaps a life or death emergency. We should be taking those times to praise and thank God that it's a peaceful day. Amen. We should pray. Regenerate people, pray. This is what Ryle is talking about, and this is what the scriptures make clear. When God saved Paul, who was at that time Saul the Jew, <clears throat> When it was raised, wait, this is the guy we know about him. Man, he persecutes your people. Christ said, he's my servant. Behold, he prayeth. He didn't say, man, he can spit out a bunch of Bible Bible verses. He could have, because Paul could have. But he said he's praying. Paul exhorted Timothy to a universal scope of prayer i exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men what is anybody here really thankful for the dictators in this world Why should we we be thankful for them? Well, for one thing, God created them and put put them where they are. Oh, but he's evil. Yes, God often takes the most evil of men and puts them in the government to judge a nation. Read your Bible. But secondly, Paul goes on to say he wants to save. God wants to save all kinds of men. So pray. Pray for everybody. Pray. Oh God saves sinners today. Amen. We don't know who they are. They may be, we may be praying with all our hearts and the Lord's saving somebody in the Philippines or in Germany or in Ireland. John G. Peyton's father was a man of extraordinary prayer. And there was a woman who was of a very wicked reputation in town. She was a harlot. And somehow she discovered that Peyton's father had family worship every day. And she started coming and sitting under the window. They didn't have air conditioning. And she'd sit under the window and listen to that man pray. And the Lord ultimately saved her out of her darkness and her wickedness. And the, the prayer that he offered up so much and so often was, Lord, save the sinner. In other words, he didn't have names to pray, didn't know where they were. But he knew that God saved sinners. He knew that the scripture said Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. If you're a sinner, you qualify for salvation if you will repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus. Pastors after God's heart will agree with Paul. They should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. Not only praying for all people on one hand in a general sense, but we should be praying for God's people everywhere across the face of this world. Everywhere. Notice, with all perseverance, our flesh does not like to persevere in prayer. It surely doesn't. What Paul has just said is exhausting to the mind and it's contrary to our flesh. Our flesh wants to be doing something else. That's one of the reasons you start getting all these ideas like, Maybe I need to be thinking about this. Or I need to be doing this tomorrow. Or why, why did she say that to me yesterday? Or why did he, you know, instead of, Lord God, have mercy on my soul. Have mercy on me today. Help me to walk with thee. Grant me that grace. Grant me that strength. Help me. And help me to pray for your people everywhere. Father, I pray for the poor people that are thine. I pray for the rich ones, not many of those, that are thine. But I pray for thy people everywhere they are. If they're rejoicing, I rejoice with them. If they're suffering, oh God, help me to bear them in the arms of prayer before thy throne of grace. Prayer in the Spirit is an in- essential qualification for prayer warriors in the spirit not just mumbling every religion has prayers prayer wheels prayer beads prayer this and that but they're not praying because they're not united to christ by the power of the holy spirit they're going through a religious action that ultimately accomplishes nothing All believers must pray in the spirit. The praying Paul speaks of is a supernatural act. But an elder then must pursue it relentlessly. And again, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Well, that's spoken to God's people in Philippi. But the fact of the matter is that's exactly what a pastor must be doing so that ultimately God's people realize it's part of what they should be doing. This was Paul's general command to all the saints in that church. Men of prayer. They must be. It's not an option. If this prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and all of these things in the spirit, if that's true for every believer, how much more for a pastor who is overseeing the people of God? American Puritan Thomas Cobbett said, Quote, surely such as are to be chosen constant speakers of the assembly to the Lord. Now he's talking about elders. Such as are to be chosen constant speakers of the assembly to the Lord. They need have choice skill in all holy and heavenly praying oratory. Oratory children. And for the rest of us, it's just public speaking. He's talking, he's not talking about private prayer. He's talking about when the elders stand before God's people and pray for them and plead for God's blessing upon God's people. We've done that today. We do it Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Father in heaven, hear your people. Come and bless them. Fill them with thy spirit. Be merciful, be gracious, be loving. Build them up, reprove, rebuke, exhort, comfort, but build them up, whatever we need. So he's saying, such, such, meaning those who have learned something of that skill of holy and heavenly praying, such as are to be the chosen champions, as it were, of the congregation. You get the picture there? Someone fighting for God's people. Fighting for God's people. I love what he goes on to say. He said they're chosen to be the chosen champions, as it were, of the congregation to wrestle it out with God on their behalf. They had need to have the art of holy wrestling or prayer, such as are the chosen solicitors, that's a lawyer, such as are the chosen solicitors for this or that corporation, as they had need to be acquainted with the people well, that they may be able, listen carefully, that they may be able to make everyone's prayer and plea, and complaint, and the like. In other words, make it their own. You get little texts from me, or emails occasionally. How can I be praying for you? What's going on in your spiritual life? Um, Amidst all of the other things you get, I realize it may be, oh, not now. It doesn't have to be right then. But why? Oh, because pastors are nosy. Uh, No. I again highly recommend that you get the Free Grace Broadcaster on conscience and read the little chapter by William Fenner on ministers and conscience and the responsibility they have. It's all it's all built on that. If we don't know the sheep, we're not really going to know how to be preaching for them and to them. We've got to have some finger on the pulse so that we know what's helpful. When we had the man in our midst that brought in his despicable heresy of open theism, the first thing that happened as soon as we were able to get him off the property was I did a months, several months long series on the errors of that doctrine. That wasn't because I didn't have anything else to do. Pastors are intercessors for the Lord's people. Let's not get confused. Jesus is the main intercessor always. You don't have to go through the elders. I'm, I'm not saying you've got to come to elders like priests. What I'm saying is that part of their work is praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for your spiritual condition, your blessings, your corrections. What do you think Paul is doing with every single letter he writes? He knows those churches. He knows what's going on. And he starts speaking the truth of God to correct what's happening there or just to build up. It's not always all negative. It's it's positive. There's blessing. Then there's correction. All of these things have to work together. It's rooted in prayer. I was utterly ashamed the first time I read a few years ago from Ian Bounds the the importance he set on, on the issue of praying after you've preached. I mean, we always put the focus on praying before we preach, right? Lord, help me to do this. Then we go on. Instead of, I've delivered your word. Make it efficacious. Oh, God, move in their hearts. Don't let them go home and blow it out with whatever they're listening to or watching. Oh, may they take thy word and go home and chew on it and digest it and be transformed and made more like Christ. There must be praying. Speaking of bounds, he said, quote, the preacher who has never learned in the school of Christ the high and divine art. There's that word art again from Puritan (laughs) to a Methodist. He says that art, that skill of intersection for his people. And I've got to start that over. You've got to get this. The preacher who has never learned in the school of Christ the high and divine art of intercession for his people will never learn the art of preaching. Will never learn the art of preaching. And he goes on to say, they'll never learn the art of preaching, though homiletics be poured into him by the tongue. And though he be the most gifted genius in sermon making and sermon delivery. That's powerful. That's very powerful. And it's very true. I've heard perfectly honed, perfectly produced right down to the comma sermons. And no one was moved. They were glad to have a little more. Bible facts, they're glad to be a little bit more informed about things in the Word of God. But the Word of God and preaching as it is in the Scripture is for transformation. It's not just information that we need. We need transformation. We need to be changed. Or we're going to do the same old things we've always done. That's the very nature of the flesh. Shepherds after God's heart must pray, must pray in the Spirit, must learn and use the various kinds of prayer, must become skillful in the art of prayer, and must learn to wrestle with God on behalf of God's people. That doesn't come in a can, it doesn't come in a bottle. You can't get an injection of it. You do need an infusion. Of the Holy Spirit. You now, pastors must pray for themselves. Speaking to pastors, John Owen said, quote, Without this, prayer, without this, no man can and doth preach to them as he ought. Same thing, hundreds of years before bounds, saying exactly the same thing. You can't really preach. Unless you are a man who's drawn down what you're doing from the power of God. You can entertain some people. You can tell them, oh, I want you to know the life that you've always wanted now. And you can get millions of people to show up for that. If You want to tell them the darkness of sin and the glory of God's Savior. You need the power of God. So Owen says, without this, no man can or doth preach to them as he ought, nor perform any other duty of his pastoral office. From hence, may any man take the best measure of the discharge of his duty towards his flock. In other words, you want to measure the the reality of the ministry you believe that you have. It's going to begin in your prayer life. Lots of people come out to hear me. Well, you just may be a great entertainer. There's a lot of religious entertainers out there. They sound pretty good. They got some Bible verses. They can throw some Bible verses out there. They can stomp. They can phone. They can do everything, you know, that makes you go, okay, I'll, I'll part with this money in my wallet. But I'm telling you, brethren, a biblical ministry is generally not going to be popular unless the Lord sends Revival, thus he sends a glorious awakening. And it's uh, it's not generally going to be a huge money-making endeavor. Praise the Lord. Because that defiles it. (coughs) So Owen goes on to say, you want to take this measure of the discharge of your duty. It's in your preaching. He says, he that doth constantly, diligently, and fervently pray for them will have a testimony in himself of his own sincerity in the discharge of all other pastoral duties. In other words, do you really pray for God's people? Or do you just pray, well, you know, uh, Lord, help me do a good sermon. Lord, they're going to be lost people. I pray that you would help me to preach this so that they would be saved. Lord, there's going to be thy people, thy regenerate people there. Help me to encourage them. Help me to build them up in the faith. Help me where they need to be reproved. Help me where they need to overjoy. But help. Looking to God, looking to Christ, not trusting ourselves, not trusting the flesh. Owen goes on to say, As for those that are negligent herein, be their pains, labors, and travail in other duties never so great, they may be influenced from other reasons. They may be influenced to what they're doing from other reasons other than love for Christ, union and communion with Christ. This is a real thing. There is a connection between heaven and earth, in God's people, because God has raised them from the dead. When they're born again, there is a new heart put within them. They're made new creatures. They're brought into union by the power of the Holy Spirit with Christ. Because you know, that should floor us. But what he's Owen is always so good about these kinds of things. He says, "In this constant prayer for the church, which is so incumbent." which means necessary as a duty on all pastors as that whatever is done without it is of no esteem in the sight of Jesus Christ. Ah. Close quote. So the pastor must learn to pray for himself as well as everybody else. He's got to pray for his own spiritual condition. He needs to take his own temperature. He needs to have brothers and sisters in the congregation that are kind of like um, brethren barometers, where you can kind of pick up where you are by their loving uh, encouragements and even rebukes of you. The pastor must learn to pray with David the shepherd king. He was a good shepherd.) <clears throat> Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For, uh, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayers unto thee and will look up. Now, for many years, for many centuries, uh, many of the Lord's people have started their day getting up uh, earlier than all and giving time in prayer to the Lord just for what David is doing right here. But a a, a pastor must be so filled with the scriptures that he's got ideas in there that come from the very light of God's word. Shape my life, Lord. Take my life and let it be. As the hymn says, consecrated, Lord, for Thee. That's not going to come from just sitting and and blankly watching YouTube videos. Unless they're good preaching or some good teaching. What are you filling your mind with? Is it things that would help you pray, point you to prayer, build you up in prayer? Yes, there's a place for recreation. That's another message. But at least it's a footnote to what I've just said. So. Pastors must pray, listen carefully. Pastors much must pray against Satan's distractions. Subtle and not so subtle temptations. The stubbornness, backwardsness and lusts of our sinful flesh. Outward worldly people and events, our spiritual errors. Or laziness, contention in our marriage, or family relations. I don't mess with your prayer. Peter said, Hey, husbands, if things aren't right between you and your wife, you know what? Your prayers are going nowhere. How about that? There are all kinds of things that can distract us in our prayers. You've had that happen, those of you that are. Or the Lord's people. You've gotten on your face and you were earnestly praying. And something that somebody said came into your mind. Or something that someone did came into your mind. And all of a sudden it was kind of like the carrot in front of the donkey. Over this way. Over this way. And your mind started going in that direction. We need help. There are distractions to prayer. The enemy are behind it, But we don't need Satan in the room to be distracted in prayer. Just just our flesh is ready like, okay, we've been praying here for like five minutes now. Can we do something else? Hmm. We have to face spiritual sluggishness and we have to face physical drowsiness. Certainly, there is more to all of this. But these are real battles that must be fought by word and spirit and all kindled by love from Christ and for Christ. You can't whip yourself into gear to do this and make it efficacious. You have to go to Christ. All the blessings of God come from God. And they go through the Lord Jesus Christ. and They're delivered in word and spirit. So you've got to be in contact with headquarters. Well, pastors must pray for the lost and for the saved. What? (laughs) They got to pray for the lost and the saved. Pastors, after God's heart, must intercede on behalf of others. Once again, Ian Bounds said this. Quote, "What." loftiness of soul what purity and elevation of motive what unselfishness what self-sacrifice what exhaustive toil what ardor of spirit what divine tact are requisite To be an intercessor for men. Close quote. That's an extraordinary statement. And while we would disagree with him. In a lot of things. I think he's exactly on the point here. Now the thing is. We can't just pray. For our family. We're to pray for all. Kinds of people. We're to pray for. Saved and lost. You've got to expand your borders. If you're not working with that fundamental framework, pray. Pray big. Elders, according to God's Spirit, according to God's heart, must intercede for unbelievers. They must cry out to God for the salvation of the lost in their congregation. In their neighborhood, in their city, in their state, in their country. And they must pray for unbelievers worldwide, crying out to God for the day when the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That day is coming. We're a day closer when all the nations are going to bow to Jesus Christ. We need to pray with these things in view. We can pray for the things that are immediately in front of us. I'm not Xing that out. I'm saying expand according to the word of God what we should, because elders are to do that. No question. Mm-mm. But they don't learn these things and then just keep them to themselves. Right? Isn't that so? The earth, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Amen. Can't wait. Have to. Now, they must intercede knowing that those who will not believe, and this is so difficult, they must intercede knowing that those who will not believe on the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Now we'll hear him declare from his throne of glory those horrifying and soul shocking words Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye cursed. Into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Oh, pastors after God's own heart must intercede for believers. And you should be praying for the lost as well. Everybody here that's been converted has likely had someone or somebody's praying for them, sometimes for years. <clears throat> In the spirit, such pastors must pray down God's blessing, provision, protection, and sanctification upon God's eternally loved people. I'm not saying that you don't pray for those things yourselves. Of course you do. And you should. But it's a pastor's responsibility. These are Jesus's sheep. They're not mine. I didn't buy them. I didn't shed my blood for them. And even if I shed my blood for them, it wouldn't make any of them clean from their sins. I would just be dying in my sinful blood. Only Christ can save. We must, we must, elders, pastors, bishops, have to pray for the souls of Jesus' flock. It's their responsibility. There's no place to put your feet up on the desk and say, ah, Jesus is the intercessor. He'll handle it. He's called us to this. In the spirit, they must pray down the glory and beauty of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love on Christ's bride. Lord, come. Come into your garden. Come and love your bride here today. Come and encourage them. Come strengthen them. Come whisper in their ears, I am thy salvation. Listen, <clears throat> pastors must pray for the spiritual growth of God's people. Paul showed us this plainly, plainly. It isn't just, oh, well, I put a, 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 you know, a sermon together and your wife says, oh, that was a good sermon, sweetie. I'm always glad when my wife doesn't protest about what I preached. But that's not the point, it's God's people. It's God's people. Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees. Here's what I pray for. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. Paul can't do it. But I'm praying to the one who can, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the the depth, the breadth and depth and depth, all of that, the width of God's love in Christ Jesus for us. Are you, are you praying about these kind of things? You should be. I mean, Paul has it right here. It's in his word. But you see, this is exactly one of the reasons God's pastors pray this thing. Brother, brother, so-and-so is having struggles with this. My father in heaven, Thou hast shown me in the in the prayer of Paul to pray that he might have inner strength today. Give him strength against that sin. Help him to fight the battle. Help him to walk in purity Catch his heart on fire and love for Christ so that he'll turn away from that thing that's dragging him down. Mm -hmm. Lord God, may Christ dwell in his heart by faith. That's Christianity. The living God dwelling in your heart. Praise the Lord. We're to pray that. Elders are especially to pray that for Christ people. The breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know what that means. But I want it. I mean, I don't know if any of us could say of. I'm here today filled at the top. I am filled with all the fullness of God today. But I want to know it. I've read, I've looked at some of the commentaries and some of it sounds good. Some of it sounds like mm, fishing. We're talking about something supernatural that God does in and for his people. Pray that God does this for you. I pray this prayer and I pray this prayer for God's people here. In the Spirit, such preachers must pray for the peace of God's church, which the enemy disrupted, for the love of God's people for one another. Lord, this is your church. Somebody texted me recently and said, Well, I know you've got bigger things to do with than this little thing. But that little thing had to do with ultimately a stumbling block. And stumbling blocks just have a way of taking their own life and running. And all of a sudden, something that seemed little becomes gigantic. I said, top of the list for me, for the Lord's people, is the peace that the Prince of Peace brings here the enemy always wants to disrupt it so i said fine with me i'm happy to deal with this little thing and here's what i would encourage don't let it become a big thing deal with it if we don't obey christ and how he wants us to live in his house we will pay the price we certainly will And you'll see some ugly things and changes in people you thought you'd never see. In the spirit, these kinds of men must pray for Christ's protection against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Demons are real. Now, filthy and wicked human beings don't need any demons anywhere near them to do filthy and wicked things. But the powers of darkness are real. They're having a heyday right now. I mean, I am telling you, this is our country is like demons on parade. This is like a Mardi Gras vomited up from hell. Look at your country. It's not purity. It's not righteousness. It's not good. And more and more, if you're reading the media, which itself is depressing. But the more you look at the media, there's a problem in this country. It's all these straight people. It's all these people that are conservative. They're all white nationalists, etc., etc., etc. That's what they did to the Jews In Germany, they became the focus of the nation for the problem of the nation, and they needed to be dealt with. You're not hearing what they're saying on the news if you don't realize how close that's getting. We need protection from the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we need to be praying about that. Faithful shepherds must pray for the sick. Man, we're sick all the time. I could, <laughs> I could spend probably hours every day just praying for sick folk. We're sick. For the infirm, for those who are grieving the death of a loved one since December We've had deaths, more deaths in a a short period than we have in the 20 years I've been here. Those are weighty things to carry to the throne of grace, but they're good. We get to God and we say, Lord, our sister, our brother's lost his loved one. Comfort him. Comfort her. Draw near. Thou art the great king. And thou wert the great king that encourages his people. We're the only ones that I know of. I'm sure there's probably someone in history. But we're the only ones that I know of who have a king who died for us. Rather than we dying for the king. Jesus Christ died to save his people from their sins. Again, listen to Thomas Cobbett. He said... <clears throat> Quote, prayer helps to open the minister's mouth. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I love the way people use words when when they use them well. That's a great picture. That is a great picture. Prayer helps to open the minister's mouth. And what's he opening it about? Jesus Christ, the God-man who came into this world to save his people from their sins. The eternal son of God Born of a virgin, made of a virgin, made under the law. He lived and walked and kept the laws that we should have kept, but we've broken them. He kept every single one of them, so he had a perfect righteousness. And then he went to the cross, and he died on that cross. He died in agony. The nails that held him, the spikes that held him to that cross, the, the crown of thorns, the whips that ripped his back to shreds. Brethren, he was beaten so that those that looked at him couldn't recognize him. He wasn't just being a good example. He did something that none of us in here can do. He died as the sin-paying, the sin-bearing substitute of all those that believe on him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I mean, the only reason a human being will not go to judgment in eternity, will not go to And lie down in the flames of hell forever. The only reason is repenting of our sins. And believing on Jesus, the crucified, resurrected God-man. Those of us in here that have been delivered know how precious that is. If you haven't seen your sins... Oh, may he be pleased to show them to you today and not give you any rest until you turn and say that Jesus Christ, the crucified and resurrected Savior, is my only hope for righteousness. Well, Paul knew, as Cobbett said, prayer helps to open the minister's mouth It opens a door of utterance, close quote. Paul knew this by experience. For that reason, he urged the Colossians, listen, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. There's the general. He says, with all praying also for us, pray for me and the guys that are going out and preaching this gospel from nation to nation, from city to city. Pray for us. And brethren, you should pray for pastors. You should pray. Pray. They're vessels of dust, just like you. It's not a temptation you've had that they likely haven't. And there are probably very few sins that some of them have not committed. They know the bitterness of sin and the sweetness of Christ. You need to pray for them. They could fall any day. With all praying for us also that God would open unto us a door of utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ. For which I'm in bonds. Speaking the mystery of Christ for which I'm in jail. That I might make manifest that glorious mystery. That I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Here's Paul. Paul. Who knew the Lord like Paul did? And yet he's saying, I want to make sure I preach Christ effectively. I want to preach Christ as I ought to. It's this is not a performance. It's bringing the word of God and explaining it and feeding it to the Lord's people. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God willing, next week we will take up shepherds after God's heart are devoted to preaching. But I believe, this is one of the rare times in my life, I disagree with John Owen. (laughs) Did I say that publicly? (laughs) Who am I? But I disagree with him. Because he looks at this passage And then he puts preaching first and then talks about prayer. And I would say those that understand prayer first and then preaching have got the right biblical order. Prayer, pray, pray before you pick up that book and start studying. Pray, ask God to set your heart on fire, give you eyes of perception, help your brain to take in these beautiful and glorious words and think about the heavenly thought that gave it and then try to feed it to the lord's people don't just take it get a commentary and say well he said that so i'll say it too get in the book and read it and read it and read it and compare one passage with another and and then realize i'm bringing to people words of life that's got to be kindled in my opinion With prayer. It's got to start. With a heart. Of prayer. Well brethren. May God grant us much grace. As we consider this. When the Lord. Is pleased to set men before us. That we will consider as elders. We need to know if they're men of prayer. Uh -uh. We want to see. We want to see aspects of that in their lives. So. May God help us, and may we all pray regularly for pastors everywhere, as well as everyone else. <clears throat> Holy Christ, your word is great. Your word is good. When we look into this book and we see that thou takest these weak and pathetic Human vessels, and use us to bring thy infallible word. It just doesn't even seem like it makes sense. But it is thy way. So help us in that. May we bring the words of life and may thy children eat from it. And Father, I pray that everyone in this room understands the gospel that was set before them. The life of the death of the God-man rising again. Faith in him. O oh, Father, now bless thy people. and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. So we will take just a very short break for those of you that need either the facilities or some water. And then we will have the Lord's Supper together. Let's take a break.